Okay, welcome. More to come, listeners. Uh, unfortunately, I am not uh, in San Diego at the San Diego Comic-Con. Oh, but I get the chance to talk to someone who is. We're going to be talking with Mark Siegel. Cope, uh, let me give you this quick introduction because it would take a long time. So, because you've got so many accomplishments, I'm trying to embarrass some people. Anyway, Mark Siegel, co-founder of First Second Books, uh, uh, editor, uh, editorial director as well of First Second Books, but he's an author, a, a comics author. Uh, he's a co-author with his wife, Sienna, of, of, of two books, To Dance and Tiny Dancer. Of course, his own book, Sailor Twain, um, Five Worlds uh, with your brother, if I'm not mistaken, co-author. Yeah. Uh, I could go on and on and on, but I'm not. Uh, he's a great guy. Uh, he He's also, I mean, this wonderful world of graphic novels that we live in now in the book world. Uh, you are one of the key drivers, a key personality, a key evangelist, a key nerd in this in this wonderful world. Of that last one, I'll take yeah, guys, in this expanded world. <laughs> and like, yes, yes great them. comics art. Okay, enough of that. Mark, I mean, thanks so much say, just for being on board. Like we met before the start of First Second. So it's been like this True. journey of like now yeah. it's like 17, 18 years, I yes. think. Something. So, like how, we, yeah, how old is First Second? Because I wrote a story just yeah, as fun. you launched my, it. My son is leaving home now. He's going to college. Wow. Like, we started our family at the same time as. Oh, wow. I started. Uh, so there you go. Our our life in comics. Yeah. <laughs> so great. Well, you know, but before we get, I want to get into, well, first of all, congratulations. You got two Eisner wins last night. We're wow. doing this interview the morning after. Um, wow. I should say what they are. Hold on. Why don't you say what they are? Yeah. So, well, there's two. There's Frizzy by Clarabelle Ortega and Rose Busamra and mm-hmm. a book uh, called Shuna's Journey by this uh, promising new talent called yes. Miyazaki. Yes. <laughs> and, and I, I got to confess, I'm not usually, I don't get too nervous about public speaking. Like I've done it, you know, with like large and small crowds. Sure. The thought of accepting on behalf of Miyazaki kind of terrified me. I was so, so nervous sure. uh, for days. <laughs> and then when we got it, then it was like, Kind of like you go a little um, comatose and you just kind of walk through, you know. And, and but yeah, no, it was it was uh, it was a marvelous moment, and it was a chance also to be up there, and and it, it was almost like um, being able to speak back to the man who's like, well, has one of the our imaginations, you yes. know, in ways like no other no other artist and poet and sure. storyteller. So one yeah, of the so, great creative. Uh, minds of the 20th and 21st century. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. The fact so, that, tell us about Shona's, uh, Shona's Journey. Exactly yeah. what kind of book is it? Shona's Journey is, um, if you, you know, if you haven't seen it, it's, it's, uh, it's based on a Tibetan tale, um, which is why we didn't print it in China, um, cause we, I mean, the censors actually yeah. wanted us to, to, uh, call it the, the Tibet region of China. And we're like, we're definitely not going back to Studio Ghibli yeah. with that request. <laughs> yeah, 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 no. It's like, no, 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 no. <laughs> so, so, and so it's based, it's inspired. I mean, like, you know, he draws on all kinds of things and different mm-hmm. uh, cultures at different times in his, in his work. Um, but this, 
is uh, it's it's really stunning. It's it's a beautiful, you know, it's all hand painted watercolors by the hand of Miyazaki. You know, it's it's actually yeah. wow. Um, and it, and it, it's never been available outside of Japan. Um, it, 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 you know, this is the first time in English and outside of Japan, and now it's spreading. All, you know, it's going to be in in all kinds of languages. But outstanding. And we and the marvelous thing with the kind of like you know, there's times when things kind of make you gasp a little. Like I've had a couple of gasp moments where, you know, basically first second was on exclusive to 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 work. Mm-hmm. A book by Miyazaki, you know, and we had around the same time actually the the same thing happened with the Clash of Clans, um, very 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 different property. Yeah, in some I want to talk about that too, but yeah, but. Yeah. But so but, just uh, on, on, on Shuna, um, you know, so we, we basically got to work on this and we, you know, it was, it was amazing working with Studio Ghibli, but also, you know, they are, you know, the curators and the keepers. Yeah. And yeah. So we were, we, 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 we sent them dummy books. We did all kinds of like, you know, paper samples and different tests for the printing. Mm-hmm. And now our edition is the model for all the foreign editions. Terrific. Terrific. Now I'm going to jump ahead because I want to talk to you about so much. And we only have a few. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. uh, t- tell us a little bit about Frizzy too. And I, I want to very quickly uh, send my congratulations on this podcast to Clarabelle because she's a, a, a wonderful um, author who just works so hard. Uh, we went to Cuba together. What's up? What up, Clarabelle? You took a great photo of me that I'm using to this day. And so tell us about Frizzy. It's great. Well, the two of them are, they're really cool. I actually got to finally have a, a moment of my own with them in Chicago during ALA. We, we, uh, we were at a dinner together and we were chatting and it was lovely. It was great. Um, it was great. And it's, and it's great because, you know, Clarabelle really comes from, uh, you know, kids lit and, yeah. uh, yeah, cause she's know, a prose. Rose. Yeah. Rose is like a true, you know, yeah. heart and soul comics geek, you know, like us and, uh, and so the two of them are like this, it's funny because they were getting the recognition, you know, the awards from the, the, the library world and then yeah. Eisner's, you know, and, and the editor is Kiara, who's like you on know. fire and like, absolutely. Just, she's, I mean, she's built up quite writing. a reputation. Yeah. 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 And, and she had, you know, Himori House and Frizzy at ALA and then here, um, <clears throat> Frizzy. Which is middle grade, you know, it's a younger, it's mm-hmm. a younger one. It's, um, and so, yeah, it was great. I mean, with the, with the Eisners, it just feels, it feels so right. Like at this step of their career mm-hmm. and weirdly having the awards from the book trade and from the. Yes. So they, you know, they, they, they clean the plate. <laughs> you clean the plate there. <laughs> so they're great. The two of them, I think they're, they, they, um, I think there's a lot more good stuff coming from both I, of them. I don't doubt it. So I want to jump in here. Now you're at Comic Con. I am not. And I, you know, and I haven't been since 2019. I miss you. I miss you. It doesn't well, feel right that you're not here. I love it. I love to hear that. I'm missing my friends. Uh, I don't miss East Coast deadlines, um, on being on the West Coast. That's that. But I do miss, uh, going to Comic Con is just an extraordinary fan, uh, experience. If you're both a fan and a journalist, it's really the best of all possible worlds. But what's it like now? I mean, this is, we've had a couple of, you know, first was postponed for two years. 
It's come back. Uh, DC is back. Uh, Dark Horse. What, what's it like? Are, are there the big crowds there? It's big crowds. I mean, even uh, Wednesday preview night was like yes. I was walking around and I was I was. Um, I mean, I don't know the numbers, the actual numbers. Yeah, but, yeah. but what's your impression? Anecdotally, yeah. it 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 felt kind of like a a Friday, not a Wednesday. Mm-hmm. Like usually Wednesday nights, you can just really kind of wander the floor. Sure. And stuff. It was crowded, you know. And yeah. then today, I expect it's going to be the madhouse because it's Saturday. But um, I oh, would say, I mean, it's, it's, it's been interesting. Yeah. I wasn't here last year, you know. So I uh-huh. this is the first one since the pandemic, and yeah. um. And I can tell, like, it's, we're on the other side of something, you know, like it's yes. hard to, I, you know, I'm looking at the, um, the landscape. Yeah. Dark Horse has like, you know, they're, they're doing their monumental thing there. It's like, it's, it's impressive. And there's like the, 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 the publishing houses, which is the world I'm aware of mm-hmm. are, I think everybody's like trying to figure out what their Comic-Con game is, you know? And so some people, um, are maybe a little stuck in like they're thinking like the kind of ALA book expo, former book expo mindset, you know, right. Is like, you just kind of display your wares. Other people I think are better at, um, you know, it's about events. It's about engaging with fans, which is sure. it's very different. It's a different that's game. Re- I mean, that's Comic-Con is great for, of course. Yes, yes. And we're having some incredible moments. I mean, a, a lot of incredible moments. Obviously, the Eisner was a big one. But I mean, yesterday, Jin Yang and Tin Pham in conversation was amazing. And they packed, they had a completely packed hall, mm-hmm. you know, and they, and they, um, they, they were incredible. They were it was hilarious. And what was this panel? What, what was there? Oh, a theme? One second. I'm so sorry. It's room service, but oh sure, go. That's <laughs> okay. Go get your go get your room service. <laughs> it's not actually room service, there, but okay. They want to clean your room. <laughs> We're live from uh from Mark's from hotel, hotel room, room. in, in the gas lamp quarter. Yeah. <laughs> so, but yeah, so the you know Tin Fam and okay, I'm gonna have to tell them. Okay, yeah, on. yeah, no problem, no problem. So he's go, he's got to go over and tell the hotel that he's like being interviewed, and they they can't come in this room right now. So <laughs> oh. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Are you going to okay. edit that out or no? Are you going to be? No, editing? it's not that big a deal. That's what, that we we pride ourselves on being live from San okay. Diego. Awesome. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I'm not the sound, there, but the you sounds are. of life. The sounds of life. Exactly. Sounds about of a, of a publisher artist on the road. There you go. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, what so, was the I mean, what was, was the theme of this panel? Well, it was them in conversation and it was it was amazingly centered on their friendship and they they have like quite the banter. They're mm-hmm. such different natures, but they're and then they have, you know, they both have Tin Fam has family style, which is his memoir. Oh, uh, yes, yes. Mm-hmm. You guys are publishing that, yes. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. Yes, it's, a, it's a beauty. It just got its fourth starred review yesterday. That Ooh. just came in. And it's, uh, it's an incredible book. And then, you know, Gene has the Clash of Clans books and, you know, he, and more coming. There's a lot. Yeah, more which coming. I don't, I know, I don't know much about that. I mean, he's got so much going on. Um, I, I, you know, I'm curious about what Lunar New Year love story. That's Lunar New Year love story. That's coming up in January, I think. Right? January. That's him and and Lewin Fam. So yes, mm-hmm. she's a, a force of nature. She yeah, has like hundred yes. picture books under her belt. She does 
the Real Friends trilogy, among many things. But for mm. us, the Real Friends are a huge, huge seller, continue to be. Cool. And she, um, she and, and Jean Yang have wanted to work together for 10 years, at least. And, mm -hmm. and at a certain point, it was in fact at a San Diego Comic-Con, Jean and I usually like, we kind of, conspire about like okay you know what's what's the next big move we want to do and like what's his next projects like sure. how are, how how is the comic you know how are we going to crack the next challenge sure. with comics in america um well he's and, the guy to plot plot that with yeah i mean he's <laughs> yeah yeah he's definitely done a lot of cracking already <laughs> yes know. that's for sure but, but so we talked you know at one point i i was very interested in getting like a really, really good romance and like a rom-com, like a really okay. good. And I still am. I mean, it, I think it's uh comics can do that really well. And, but he went like drilling down into like what makes a rom-com tick and he researched it and he was like, and he was into like, you know, uh, Korean rom-coms and like, I mean, he's like, all, you know, and he came back with this incredible project. And at first it was going to be a romance between uh, it, like he and his wife, Teresa, it was a, a, a Chinese American with a Korean American romance. But mm -hmm. then once Wynn came into the project, she brought, you know, she has like a, a crazy, unbelievable family history and mm -hmm. she's Vietnamese American. Vietnamese. Mm -hmm. So, so it, it became, it, the story morphed and they were got into a real duet together and the story morphed into you know, Chinese American with Vietnamese American. It's Lunar New Year. There's lion dancing, not to be confused with line dancing. <laughs> yes, <laughs> let's not. Yeah, I'm sure it's not. Lion dance, right? Oh, it's very different. Yes. <laughs> and, uh, but it, but it's so, so, oh, so good. I can't even tell you, Galvin. It's like, can't wait to see it. Yes. It's so good. It is so strong. And I think we're we going to have to wait, people, because this is not publishing till January 2024, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. We won't have like advanced comics until the fall, but right. it's actually going to press right now as we speak. It's going to press, and that's a mega project, you know. And and Gene is kind of racking them up. I mean, the 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 Clash of Clans thing is also something we hatched at a Comic Con, but it was like it took seven years to become a reality. But well, this is based on a game, right? Oh, so the game. It's like it's actually, I think the the most popular mobile app game and. Back in like 2013 and 14, he and I and our two sons, our, and actually daughters, sons and daughters, played uh, Clash of Clans together. And we were looking at this and he, we both felt like this world is like begging to be a, a comic, like a graphic novel. He, we felt like this could be literally this generation's asterisk, like, you know, in terms of and so we had like a really ambitious view on like what was possible, but we didn't really get anywhere and I couldn't quite make anything happen. I was talking to Supercell, the company that makes the games, mm -hmm. have like the, the, the downloads of that game and then the subsequent Clash Royale are in the billions. Wow. You know, it's enormous. I know it's popular. Yeah. It's and I've seen a little bit of the art and some, some promotions. I've never read the book, so I'll, I'll have to see no. if I I mean, yeah. The first session to send me a copy or two. Absolutely, absolutely, it's great. So we've signed up. We have eight, the first wow. eight books of this series. We're doing like two a year. 
he's already he's writing number seven right now. So you know, we and basically got like a little studio in place. Supercell is also a really interesting company, like very unusual. You know, they have like mandatory uh July off for all employees. Like you're not even allowed to have an email app. You know, like, that's interesting. Like, yeah, and uh it's not the American way. <laughs> um, it certainly is not. Um, but it's refreshing to hear. It is, and they're great. They now they have a big uh office in Berkeley. Mm. And they the team that's there is really cool and they're really passionate about story and about doing it right and not like they don't want to flood the market with crap, you know, like crappy products. Like they really want to do it right. So they appreciate like having a Gene Yang on this. <laughs> I mean, they they love him and 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 they're they've been super involved with us in every at every layer of the project, you know. So they're very, very much into the notes on the on story and world and stuff, but also on the marketing. Like there's some stuff happening in the app in the game. Oh, okay, very cool. Uh, so look, I'm gonna jump in because I want to get in more stuff while we still have some time. But yeah, you want to talk? Yeah. Maybe we could. I, you need a <laughs> room service again? <laughs> oh, no, I'm just showing you. That's oh, the, the, book, the book cover. Yeah. Okay. That's the, oh, the, yeah, yeah. You get it upside down. That's, there you go. Great. <laughs> Actually, you know what? Up hold it up again. Down. Can you hold them up again? Oh yeah. Hold them up again. This time, and just hold them up a second. I'm going to get a, I'm going to get a screenshot, people. You're, you're part of a, uh, hold on just a little bit longer. Yeah. And I can see you peeking through too. Okay. Boom. Got it. All right. But you know what? Why don't we quickly, uh, cause you, you were, you got a bunch of nominations too. So we talked about Frizzy and Shauna's journey. I mean, Eisner nominated. What about, I'm curious about, uh, I saw some, um, pages from So Much for Love. Yes. Okay. So much for love is Sophie Lambda. And I was really hoping, I mean, it's hard because she was up against, you know, some amazing, uh, up against Kate Beaton, who everybody. Well, knows. yeah. Yeah. I mean, Kate is incredible. For the year. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. But so, so much for love is, so it's partly a memoir and it's done really well and really cleverly with humor, but it's a memoir of a relationship with a malignant yeah. narcissist, yeah. which is interesting, you know, to me, it's weird, right? I mean, now the malignant narcissist syndrome has become so familiar, like not just the concept of it, but it's like seeing it at play, like whether it's in, you know, personal relationships or in the, in the oval office or, you know, I mean, like we've actually learned a lot about that, that uh, predicament, you know, and it's widely considered to be incurable at a certain stage, right? So she does this memoir and, and so you kind of get her journey but yeah. with this kind of, uh, there's a bit of a remove and, and some, there's moments of humor and the, and the cartoony treatment, which really helps kind of, you know, be able to, to, to read it. Um, her cartooning is really, uh, great, uh, it, it, both for its, the, its comic content. I mean, uh, yeah. and really her ability to draw emotion and yeah. Yeah. trauma. Uh, yeah. and, and, she, well. and then she also includes that there's a kind of a nonfiction element weaving through mm-hmm. it where she's like, you know, giving some, some facts and some like, what are the, what's the checklist, you know, of like, what are the, what are the telltale signs? And then also, how do you like 
how do you develop an escape plan if you're trapped? You know, I, feel, I honestly feel like this book, um, you know, this is definitely a book my, I want my daughter to read before she leaves home. I want, you know, this is, yeah. I, I, I honestly feel like if you know anybody who's in a relationship with a malignant narcissist, like this book could actually be a lifesaver. Yeah. I have a good friend who, who just, it took her 20 years and they had a child, you know, but the, yeah. she was like with a devil. She yeah. was trapped with a devil and it's like getting, you know, you have to get out, you, you know, you, um, like I saw actually Viola Davis on her Instagram, she was posting some things about malignant narcissists and how to spot the, the problem and like the, you know, identifying the gaslighting and it was great. And I was like, that's what this book does. No, it's, a, it, it's a really powerful story, a memoir. Yeah. And I'm going to jump also to pen, uh, excuse me, So Much for Love, How I Survived a Toxic Relationship by Sophie Lambda. And Pinball, A Graphic History of the Silver Ball by John Chad. Tell us about that. Yeah. So, I mean, John Chad is great. I mean, he's done, mm. he's done, uh, you know, a lot of stuff and he, uh, I feel like, you know, he, he should kind of be a household name by now. <laughs> and like, and this is, you know, Pinball is just great because it's, it's this passion. Uh, it, it's a passion research and I, I believe I didn't sign this one up, but I'm pretty sure he came to us with that, with that proposal. Um, and it just seems like a great, you know, it's a crossroads of all kinds of pop culture, yeah. uh, kind of revolves around the, the pinball machine. And, sure. um, so, so it's, and of course, New York city too. I mean, that's a and, key yeah. element in it yeah. because it was illegal in New York city. It was considered um, what was it? It was considered gambling or not a, not yeah, a game of yeah. skill or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it wasn't it, until the seventies that it was actually sort of legal in New York city. Yeah. So many, I mean, so many fascinating, mm-hmm. so many fascinating stories. And it's like, I think like great, um, nonfiction is like you get, it's, it's a springboard, you know, for, um, uh, a kind of a, a chapter in, in, in our history. And it's like, it's very revealing. It's very smartly done. And he's, I mean, he's, he's a great, uh, he's a great writer and a great artist, you know? So, yeah. I, oh, I want to show you, I don't know. If, sure. did, I, did I send you a copy of dictatorship? No, no. Okay, so dictatorship. Do? <laughs> dictatorship, yeah. It's easier than you think. Yeah. I, I, I'm looking at the oh. cover now folks and it looks fabulous. I have not read this book. It It, it is incredible. So it's, uh, so there's a podcast, a very famous podcast now called Gaslit Nation. Mm-hmm. These two ladies, Sarah Kenzior and Andre Chalupa, who've been, mm-hmm. uh, for many years, you know, they're, they're experts on authoritarianism. Like, and they, they've been, uh, ahead of the curve on so, so many things. I mean, they were talking about the authoritarian playbook with Trump you know, before his nomination, you mm. know, before 2015. And, 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 and at times early on, I, I think they, they, uh, they were, they were dismissed, you know, by, especially by regular media mm-hmm. as kind of like a bit extreme and a bit, it turns out like, you know, they were, they were shouting about, um, things that have come to pass since, um, so what they do here, what, and also what's brilliant is they have wit. Uh, you know, and, and I'm learning this about like the, the, especially the adult nonfiction that we publish is like, mm-hmm. you know, you, hu- adults need humor. Like, I think we're all like, we're all so worn down. We're all so beat, beat up by sure. 
world and the pandemic and, you know, rising fascism, <laughs> like you name it. It's like, it's exhausting out there. You know, it's like, it's, it's, uh, so, you know, you don't want to, you don't want to pick up a book that's just going to be a slog, even if it's noble and worthy, you know, and the brilliant thing here. Oh, and the artist, by the way, is Kaja Babis. Mm-hmm. Who's, I know her from the nib. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and she is a Polish artist. You know, she, is doing a, uh, actually a bunch of stuff for us. She has a, a, an amazing memoir of growing up in Poland that for us that's coming. Really? You see it. It's, it's basically like it takes you the, the conceit is like, you know, how do you, how do you go about, you know, becoming a dictator? But it's really about how do you, how, how do we you... can stop them. <laughs> <laughs> and it's so good. So, dictatorship it's easier than you think i really highly highly recommend like on the adult end of our list um but we actually my family uh you know includes two teenagers now and we had a a reading party uh we have our reading night every so often where we all read the same book and we were reading it together and it you know and for sienna it was also really eye-opening but but the kids were like chuckling along the way you know, and they're like, oh, my God, I had no idea about this. Or I had no, I knew, you know, how yeah. do you say Ceausescu? And how do you, you know, right. you know, Pinochet, you what, you know how do you pronounce Pinochet? <laughs> yeah. But it's incredible. And it doesn't pull any punches. You know, I mean, it's like Trump is all over this. There's, there's yeah, stuff yeah, on Kissinger on like, you know, it's not, it's not like, uh, it's not pussyfooting around, but it's, it's really, really, really good. So look, I'm going to jump here because we only have a few more minutes left. But so I am curious. I'm curious about uh, one book. What's this? Junior High by Tegan Quinn and Sarah oh. Quinn and Tilly Walson. It's not actually us. It's uh. It's, oh, am it's I confusing? It? No, it's Macmillan, and we do ah. we, we promote it at the at the booth. Um, and and I I have I have to confess, like I haven't actually had time to read it. Okay, uh, that's right, then. <laughs> it looks great. It's doing. It really well. <laughs> they're getting a lot of media, and they're. I mean, they're super cool. Um, but yeah, I mean, we do post. Uh, you know, we have to try not to to confuse um, our 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 fans and viewers. You know, but it's like sure. we do include stuff from Henry Holt and from you know Roaring Brook and sure. some of the other sister imprints at Macmillan. Okay, well, look, one more book. One more book you want that you want to mention. You you tell me. Um, well, we talked about some really good stuff. Um, I can suggest something if, you know, yeah, yeah. what's this book limbo by Deb JJ Lee? Oh, in limbo, man. She is this, is this, is this for a second? It is for a second. It is for a second. And I, yeah, I mean that I really, really, I highly recommend. It's like, that's definitely in our YA. She is, um, you know, she's, she's, a major, major artist and a major voice. Um, I've seen some pages from it. It's very impressive, really deep characterization, oh, beautiful art. Like, that co- I mean, that cover is like, is that yeah. a cover to die for? Yeah. And we just, uh, she was at our, our first second dinner, um, just the other day and it, it was just great to get to know her. And yeah, I mean, we're, I feel like, you know, we've got in the YA space, we have some, just some of the most extraordinary voices and authors. Oh, you know, one I would also like to mention is sure. Joe Ryu, Josephine Ryu. Mm-hmm. So she has I'm the not Cat's familiar. Cradle. What's the so name she, of the book? So Cat's Cradle. Uh, mm-hmm. And the second book just came out. She's just finishing the third one. 
Mm-hmm. And it's uh, it's amazing young fantasy, mm-hmm. and she's Canadian. If you check out her Instagram, she has a huge following, phenomenal artist, but also a very funny, witty storyteller. And it's funny we have a couple of funny Canadians. Like she's, and she's she's not gag funny, but but the dialogue is just so juicy and delicious. And mm-hmm. the artwork she did um, our M T Anderson book, The Daughters of East. Uh-huh. Okay. For that. And, but, but, um, Cat's Cradle is like a must on a young reader's shelf. The other funny Canadian is Scott Chandler. Okay. Squire and Knight is. Squire very, and Knight. Okay. Squire and Knight. Very funny new series that we're launching. And, and he's, he's also brilliant. I and mean, it's basically, there's this knight who takes credit for all these great deeds, but his squire does all of All right. <laughs> I, I love it. And it's great. And it's great. Hey, Mark, we're running out of time here. So I'm, I'm going to, we're going to have to shut me up when it time is right. (laughs) I could talk to you for an hour and a half. And then my producer would say, what am I supposed to do with this? But, but, but what we'll do is we'll do another session of you. Um, and we will find some book and we'll talk about in all kinds of things. So, um, look for doing this, Calvin. Oh, and thank you for reconnecting me to, to Comic-Con. Uh, I went to 18 or 19 in a row. So, uh, yeah. you know, I, I, and I saw you and I saw you for at least 16 or 17 of those. Yeah, yeah, at least, at least, at least I would seek you out. At, I remember during the preview, preview night, I always go look for your booth. So oh, yeah, yeah, but yeah. Anyway, look, enjoy yourself. You've got, uh, uh, congratulations on your Eisner wins and your Eisner nominations being nominations. People yes. is a win too. This really is, is the best of American comics publishing. So, uh, Mark Siegel, first second, thank, thank you so much. Thank you so much for being on More to Come. Take care. <laughs> Bye. This is Meg Lemke with More to Come at San Diego Comic Con 2023, and I am sitting down with Tay Taylor, or as they always say, Rebecca Tay Taylor. <laughs> and Tay is the what's your title? Your editorial director. <laughs> Of the brand new Inklore at Penguin Random House, um, very recently announced. So, Tay, tell me what Inklore is. Inklore is a brand new global pop comics imprint um, that we're launching out of the Delray Random House Worlds group. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, to be honest, we were, you know, this came from looking at the space of, you know, just how much manga has exploded in the last couple of years. Everybody's excited about it. But what we wanted to do with Inklore is to really look at all that information and go after a specific reader and something that we were really, a white space that we were really passionate about rather than another voice in the crowd. And we have Laura Olympus and, you know, Rachel Smythe is amazing and a genius and that book is phenomenal. And we have all of these incredible fans that have supported that book. And so we wanted to kind of build Inklore based on those two those two like tentpoles of like there is an audience here that is both of these things it is all of these things it's a female driven audience it's a a diverse queer audience they are young they are discovering things digitally they're reading a lot of things scrolling they're reading global things and they're reading comics and they are coming out in droves for print editions when it actually comes to print and so, you know, it's it's everyone that's reading and writing fan fiction on Archive of Our Own. <laughs> that's our audience. They want relationship-driven stories. They're loving romanticy right now. They're loving BL right now. You know, diverse-driven horror, slice of life. Um, and we really want to be a format-agnostic 
comics inference, why we're going with pop comics as our term, is because we it's not about which territory it comes from. It's not about whether it's manhwa or manga or a webcomic or is a scroll or is not a scroll. It's about the reader. It's about, is this the kind of story that this reader that is our natural champion for Inklor is going to want? And if it is, and it's visual, that's our space. So you don't feel like Lord Olympus is a unicorn. Like that's You're trying to build a team of these uh, winged animals. I guess it's a pegasus. <laughs> yes. I mean, don't get me wrong. Lord Olympus is a unicorn, but I, I mean, it, it is magic. It is lightning in a bottle, but I don't think that it is... I think there's a lot more lightning out there. I think it is a storm, frankly. And if you're looking at things like the Grandmaster of Demonic Cultivation hitting the New York Times bestseller list for fiction, that's what we're talking about. I mean, there's been this audience of consumers, myself included, for years, 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 that have existed largely invisibly online. They're looking at, you know, they're doing fan translations and writing fan fiction and doing fan art and basically creating the content themselves and finding it themselves and no one has been counting these people <laughs> and once you actually give them content that where you can count how many there are we're realizing that it's legion you know it's it's huge 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 consumer base and we're so passionate and being able to finally find each other and find that validation of realizing that this is not these kind of stories are not things that we should have to you know, feel like our guilty pleasures that we read on our phones in the dark in our room. These are things that we should be celebrating and having fun with and like just squealing about together. And um, we want Inklore to be a home for that. Um, and comics is where we're starting. But yes, I think there are there are other there are other unicorns and pegasi out there. <laughs> is it pegasi? Pegasus is it's a good question. I'm really trying to get us in trouble here. I had a moment. You know, I almost I was thinking winged unicorn. That's it. Uh, well. Let's let's save that for another episode. <laughs> but where do you see these consumers buying? Are they going to come into general bookshops? Are they comic shop fans? Like, what do you see? Are they all going to buy online? You know, what do you what do you see as your distribution? That's an interesting question, and we've been doing a lot of research into where are our buyers, how are they finding mm-hmm. things. We do think that a lot of the discovery is online, mm-hmm. um, but when it comes to the actual retail channels. You know, in, in store retail is still huge. You know, channels like Barnes and Noble, even Walmart, Target, you know, their sections are growing as well for these kinds of, um, this kind of content. Um, indie bookstores are, you know, getting into the game too. You know, even my own local indie bookstore now, which is a very small store, Silver Unicorn Acton, I'm going to plug you. Yeah, yeah, uh, <laughs> they're the best. Um, but even that they have a whole shelf that's mm-hmm. manga right now that, and, and YA and graphic novels that's taking over. And that's a huge portion. Um, you know, international is selling, there's a lot of people that are reading these, this content worldwide where, you know, English is the kind of the first language that it's getting translated into, but there's so many people, whether it's Spanish language or Portuguese or anywhere, like Europe, all around the world that also want to read this content and they know they're reading it in English, but they want it because they know that's the first way that they can get it. Um, so international sales is big. The direct market, that's where, that's my home. That's where I come from. That's my background. I love me my direct market retailers. And that is a big space for this. Um, and I think that's only going to keep growing and growing and growing. Um, they're such, the, the direct market retailers are such champions of product and content and fans, and they're so in touch with that 
consumer base that I'm just really excited for them to dig their hands into this content. And if you're direct market, you know, inclusive in that way as a PRH imprint, do you see yourself starting out really early on doing merch and collectibles and that kind of thing? Ooh, that is a good question. And I mean, I would, I would love it. Mm-hmm. I want it. I would buy it. <laughs> We're starting, I mean, my role is in print. They're not going to let me go out there and uh, start making plushies as much as I would like to. That is, uh, no one's going to let me loose in that space. But I, w- I would want it. And it's it, again, it's always going to come back to the reader and come back to the fan. Mm-hmm. And you know, we love books. We are books. That is PRH. Like that is our space. We are publishing. We're never going to try to be something that we're not. We are publishing, and we're the best at it. But if the fans want merch. If they want to expansion of those brands then absolutely, we're going to be right there. So do you have a list that's publishing? Like what is, what's, can, is there stuff you can talk about coming up in terms of what you're acquiring or what you, is there anything you can share yet? So we announced with five titles um, in the announcement. So our first uh, book is a, a series, they're all series, but the first book is a, a manga called My Love Story with Yamada-kun at Love and 999 by Mashiro. Um, it's been turned into an anime that's currently in the top ten on Crunchyroll. Uh, it's incredible. It's like like a gamer geek rom-com. It's, it's wonderful. So we have that one. We have two manhwa that were originally scrolling um, comics from Korea that are coming to print. One of them is Cherry Blossoms After Winter. It's a BL. Mm-hmm. It's for people that have been reading BL for a long time. It is a classic. It's so good. Um, and then Under the Oak Tree, which is a romanticy comic that's been blowing up. Um, it's also a light novel, mm-hmm. which we're going to be putting out first. Um, so we'll, we're going to be doing some light novels as well. And um, then we have The Heavens, which is an original. So it's, it's our only original right now. It's with um, Lev Grossman of The Magicians and Lila Sturgis. Long comic book, amazing history. She's such an incredible comic book writer. And they're doing a big space opera. Are these fall or are these spring? They're all over the place. Okay. Um, so, you know, they're kind of staggered. We're starting in spring. Mm-hmm. Um, but we also have a lot of other projects that are this close to announcement. And every one of them has many, many titles. So we're trying to stagger it so that we're not overwhelming the consumer, but mm-hmm. also... People have been wanting these titles for a long time, and we want to make sure that we get them in their hands. So tell listeners a little bit about your background. So you came here directly from Vault, and you were doing young adult there. Is that right? I was doing middle grade, actually, mostly. So, yeah, I started at Arkea, which at the time was a very small startup. Um, I was an intern and then an assistant. <laughs> Went all the way through. Um, I edited. I worked on Mouse Guard, uh, Rust, Iron, a lot of just incredible books. Um, it was a really great first experience because I got to learn everything. I kind of did. It was so small that you kind of had to learn all of it. Lugged the boxes like I'm doing here. (laughs) Um, And then Arkea got acquired by Boom Studios. So I went over to Boom and I kind of oversaw Arkea editorially for them as an imprint for a couple of years. I got to do a lot of really amazing licensing with their kids department too. Um, And then when DC moved from New York to LA, I moved to DC. I went and I joined the Bat office. So I was in the Batman office for a couple of years. Um, I um, moved to the Justice League office eventually. I edited Metal, the kind of big event that happened at that time. And then from there, I went moved back to the East Coast. And that's where I got hooked up with Vault. And they were looking to launch a new a middle grade uh, graphic novel line. And so I came in and did that. I love kids' content. Mm-hmm. It's 
I have always really, really loved and tried to be a champion of kids' literature. So that was really fun, amazing experience. Got it off the ground, and then this came along. And so can you share with me how this happened? Did they come to you with the idea, or did you come to them with a proposal? Like this is, it's a big deal to start a new imprint. It is a big deal, and I'm realizing the more, the farther we get into it, the bigger deal it is. It's very exciting. Um, no, they didn't approach me, and I'm still kind of confused every day a little bit as to how I'm here, but I'm very, very grateful. Um, no, they, they were looking for someone to fill this role. They knew that they needed something in this category. They were, everybody in our group has just such, um, passion for the space. They, it had such support from, all the way up the top of PRH as a priority. They were really, really willing to invest the time, the energy, the care, all of it. But they needed someone to come in who just had a vision for the space. And that was that was where I came in. And that was the kind of pivot that we took at that point was going after this one particular reader. Obviously, we wanted to be inclusive of everyone. And I think everyone is going to love these stories who loves comics, even if you don't love comics. But this kind of our natural champion, as we call them for Inklore, going after the specific reader that I feel like has been largely underserved for mm-hmm. a long time um, in in publishing and that we want to bring them a lot of stories and just celebrate the kind of stories that we love. So just to get specific, did somebody say, Laurel Olympus is doing really well, let's start an imprint, and then they like listed it on PRH's like, Bertelsmann job board? I can't speak to what conversations happened behind before, the day before I showed up, um, but yeah, it just was posted and I applied. Uh, that's amazing. <laughs> Congratulations. That's Thank great. You. Yeah. My mom was just saying the other day, she remembered when we were on vacation when I got the job with my family and I like walked back into the house just dazed. She just had, she was like, you had this look on your face like, what has just happened to me? <laughs> well, hearing you speak about it, I can see why they were drawn to you. Aw, thanks, Meg. Well, it's true. You have wonderful enthusiasm for it, and you seem to really know the market. Oh, uh, man. It's been like 15 years I've been working in comics, and they can't kill my enthusiasm. <laughs> I can't kill it. No, never. I will never stop being enthusiastic about comics. Well, I'm eager to hear more, and I'm sure we will. So thank you so much for talking to me. Of course. Thank you for talking to me. Have a wonderful Comic-Con. Absolutely. Hi, uh, welcome to More Come, PW Comics World's weekly podcast of comics and graphic novel news. I'm Heidi McDonald, live at Comic Con 2023. I'm in the airy in the DC Crow's Nest and with our old friend, frequent More to Come guest, Jeffrey Brown. Jeffrey! Hi! How's it going? Good, how are you? I'm good, I'm good. Um, how's the show so far? It's, it's been good. It's, it's busy, like, people are happy, like, uh, like comics are good. What do you think of the fact that there's no Hall H, there's no Kevin Feige, there's no competition for media because of the strikes? So this is comic, kind of back to Comic-Con. Have you noticed any difference at all? I mean, the, the biggest difference is just, like, more people looking at stuff, you know? And, um, you know, they're, they're maybe just, you know, instead of off watching watching movie trailers they're they're here picking up books right right well they definitely are i mean we're we are literally on the roof of the dc booth and just looking down it's madness down there yeah yeah um uh but you are here at the dc booth because you've been doing some uh their middle grade yes yes batman and robin and howard we have talked about Howard before, but, uh, you know, it turns out that Batman and Robin have a, a little friend, right? 
Yeah, so Howard <laughs> Howard is like a kid from Damien's new school, so you know Damien's dad thinks he needs some like to switch schools, get get a little more grounded experience from his prep school that he's been going to. And Howard is is this kid there who's like smart, popular, good athlete, and Howard thinks like I'm gonna show the new kid around, take him under my wing, and of course Damien Wayne is not the kind of character who like likes to be taken under he's like he's like, No, you come under my wing. Actually my, my wing is like off on its own. Like kicking butt or something. Um, so there's some friction. Their relationship starts out with some friction, and then they become friends because they realize like they're actually kind of similar and have a lot in common. So this is, I mean, look, you've gotten to work on all the big, <laughs> all the big franchises, you know, uh, Star Wars, and you've done Marvel stuff, you've done DC stuff. Uh, you know, for Star Wars, you did the kind of gag. You know, the Darth, good night Darth Vader and, uh, books. But this is a narrative, right? This is yeah. a, yeah. Yeah, and so I, you know, I'd done the Jedi Academy books with right. middle school before, but, um, you know, there wasn't, there wasn't as much, uh, family dynamic with that, um, you know, cause Brown kind of, like, the main character goes off to school on his own, it's Jedi Academy, it's like a boarding school basically for Jedi. Right. Um, whereas one of the things with Batman and Robin Howard is like, I was really interested in, in how I could kind of play off of Batman as the super serious, cool, ultra cool character, but if he has a kid and his kid's in, in middle school, his his kid is going to be totally embarrassed by his dad, no matter how, no matter how cool anyone else right. thinks he is. That's right. Like like his dad is like just super awkward and embarrassing, and right. so um, and so that was like like the, the fun thing about this book was getting to like do a new take on Batman that's a little different than. You know, that is so true in real life because, um, you know, Roman Reigns, the wrestler, he had this, he, it was in People magazine or something, but, he, you know, he has a lot of kids and he said when he dropped his his kids off at school, his daughter off at school, and, you know, Roman Reigns is a giant, handsome wrestler, dude, uh, champ, world champion, but he would make sure to roll his window down, yell, I love you, honey, <laughs> just to make it as embarrassing yeah. as he possibly could. Yeah, one of, one of my threats to my, my sons is like, like, okay, but I may have to dance. I may have to dance in front of your friends. Uh, what do you kids think of you being a cartoonist? Do you have any cool dad points? I mean, yeah, I think I have some. I think I have some. Like, um, and you know, like, like my older son is 16 now, so he's at like prime age to be like particularly jaded and embarrassed. Um, although he's very kind to me. I <laughs> All things considered, um, uh, but you know it's like also like they they they've never known me as anything else. like right. like like to them it's just normal like right. like yeah you just sit and draw comics all day that's that's a normal dad thing <laughs> to do right right do they ever come to the comic con do you bring them to shows or yeah neither neither of them are big into crowds so. So, and also it's like, you know, it's like they just know I'll just come home with a bunch of stuff anyway. So it's like, they get to sit at home and play video games did, and then it just comes to them. They didn't want to come here and, and meet Jinji Ito or anything? Um, I, yeah, maybe. maybe well, we'll see. I mean, I, I do know a lot of comics bros who kids are, you know, as they do reach a certain age, they're like, hey, wait a minute. I get to go hang out, you know, at the DC booth for a minute and, you know, meet so-and-so yeah, and I, I think, get to meet. I think, you know, maybe... 
now that that Oscar's older, like it might be reaching that yeah. point. But then it's also like he, the downside is he has to come with me. Yes, and, right, uh, right. Like, you know, <laughs> leave the house and be in a crowd of people, of people with his father. Yeah, yeah that does something. sound like a real bummer. So. Um, Jeffrey, you told me a long time ago. Uh, I mean, you know, I have known you a long time. Uh, we've been talking at Con for a long time. Uh, I think you, when you first started coming here, you were indie cartoonist. You were with Top Shelf. You know, you had done your autobiographical comics, and and you know, there's been far fewer of. of I think when you started coming, there was a larger crowd, and then you know, to be honest, it just became too expensive. But you've kept coming, and you told me you had a reason for that. What was that? Wait, what was <laughs> You just said you could make connections here that you couldn't make anywhere else. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Yeah, I think, so, like, well, one thing about Con-Con is, is, like, there's so many people, like, it's like every time I come, at the very least, I randomly run into someone and make some weird, amazing connection. Like, just ran, like, just, like, walking from the hotel to mention for or right. just or just like I happen to like I'm gonna wander off with no particular place to go and then I'll run into someone at a at a booth and like you know it might be right. someone I met years ago or right. it might be someone whose work I know but like never met in person. Um and so yeah Comic Con is like really great for that. And then you have so many publishers and editors right. and um like like another thing I found is like those connections, like carry over through the years, and um, and then also just just like coming to meet people who read your books as a cartoonist. Oh yes, of course. You know, I spend my my days alone in my studio, toiling away, and right. like I do school visits, and like you know that's that's nice, but it's like you know talking to a crowd of kids, but coming here and getting to meet people who read the books one on one and. Like, and of course, half the time it's like they're coming with their kid dressed up as like you know Boba Fett or something, and it's adorable. So. Right, right. Now you have been doing. Um, I mean, you also did your own characters, right? For Scholastic, you did. I mean, you've done everything. Jeffrey, let's face it. By now, you've done everything. So you've met a lot of people here. I'm getting, I'm getting there. Yeah, yeah. Um, I was Uke and Gluck, right? Who can go? No, 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 no. Uh, Lucy and Andy. Lucy and Andy. All right, I strike that. Anyway, sorry. Uh, yeah, Lucy and Andy. And but are you doing any more of your own original things? Um, or? Yeah, I, I haven't. Well, I have a fantasy adventure book that, like, I've been working on for a long time. Like, just kind of in the background. And um, but it's been so long since I've. When I started doing with the autobiographical books, and I could just kind of do my own thing on my own schedule, no one sees it till it's done. Right, right. And so there's a lot of freedom. And then I went into you know with licensed properties, obviously there's a lot of oversight. Um, but even with like stuff like Lucy and Andy Neanderthal or the Space Time series, um, you know there's a lot of input right. from the editors right. sure, and the sure, sure. sales and marketing. And so I wanted to like get back to that feeling so it's a I think it's maybe an all ages fantasy adventure book it might lean a little older but because there is some death but the death isn't it's not particularly gruesome or serious um but I just like kind of like doing my own thing on my own pace so I've, I've done a few rough drafts and it's getting to the point where I'm like I 
I think I've got the story ready to 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 move forward right, to the right. next stage. So it might be time. Like, yeah. That I Do you? That what makes that the story that you want to work on? What excites you about doing that? I mean, I I've always loved like fantasy adventure stuff like Lord of the Rings and Dungeons and Dragons and um, so I had this idea about like it's a group of elves that go on a quest and they bring along one goblin it's like a, um, the outsider yes and what and um, in this world there's like there's no humans there's just elves and goblins and then you know there's trolls and dragons and right. things but um yeah, it was just an idea that like kind of developed over time, and like like at first it was just like I, I know I wanted to have this. There's a mushroom character, and <laughs> like there's I knew I wanted to have this thing happen with the dragon, and there's different elements, and then I was just kind of like, you know, the nice thing about taking my time with it is just kind of develop the story organically until it got to the point where it's like okay, I have, I have an idea of like how a narrative would work, and. Um, it's just really kind of building it in layers. Um, yes. So. And, you know, it's interesting to hear you say that because uh, your work seems so effortless a lot of the time. But obviously there's a lot that goes into it. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I like, you know, it's, it's the classic comics. Like, you know, it takes years to make and then, you know. Yes. Someone reads it in 40 minutes, yes. and they're like, okay, what's next? Right. Well, what, yeah, what excites you about uh, Batman and Robin and Howard? I mean, so like I like I talked about, like, like getting to take Batman as a character. So one of the great things about Batman is, it's like, I think out of any of the superhero characters, like, like most superhero characters at this point have lots of different versions that have happened over the years, but, like, I think none in such a range that Batman has... Right. Um, and so, like, there, it's almost like people are more accepting to to new versions of Batman, but also you have like all those versions that your Batman gets to build on. So it's like there's there's more layers underneath, right? Um, inherently, um, I mean, there's Christian Bale Batman, there's Neil Adams Batman. Yeah, yeah. The possibilities are endless, and Jeffrey Brown Batman. Now. Yeah, yeah. So now there's Jeffrey Brown Batman. So like, um, and yeah. So, so that was one one aspect. The other aspect was like like the the original story for the Batman and Robin Howard was like wasn't a superhero story. It's just like this idea I had about you know two middle school kids or high school kids that were rivals and then become friends and. Um, I had this kind of general idea and it just like it just when I kind of plopped Batman and Robin into that story it just like all clicks together really naturally um, right. so it was um, it just became a lot of fun to like build those characters right, right. now the format is a little bit different from it's not like a standalone graphic novel correct it is yeah, so, serialized so the into new, yeah the new one will be so the new one is it's Batman and Robin and Howard Summer Breakdown, mm-hmm. and it'll be three sixty-four page issues, and then collected later. Will they be um, digest size or comic book size? They'll be the, the, like the same size as like the, the first. The first sure. Ones. Okay. So like, All right. Like the, the DC. Yeah, we used to call that kid size at Disney yeah. Adventures. Yeah. Yeah, it's kid size. It's kid size. Yeah, kids love it's it. It's a good. 
Well, it's a, and it's a, I, I like that size too. It's the size that I like normally draw it. So it's been, it was like an easy transition for like, for me to go from like, it's like the same size I drew Jedi Academy at, Lucy Dandy and Space Time. Like, so, um, for, for me, like it's been, it's been good to like, I just got to keep the same kind of. Yeah, and it was and it, like story wise, it didn't the format didn't change the, the story structure at all. Or well, so so for for the for the sequel, well, originally I like it wasn't a Batman and Robin Howard sequel. I was I was like I was going to do another book for DC, but it was going to be all new characters, and I was coming up with this new story, and it was going to have maybe this or that established DC superhero, but it's going to be new characters and. And it just, like, it's like I couldn't get past the point of, like, this, like I, there's something there, I can't figure it out. And then the more I thought it was like, it was like, oh, well, what if it was just, like, a another Batman and Robin Howard book? And then it was like, then Batman and Robin Howard came back, and it's like, everything clicked, it all came yeah. together. And and so I kind of had this, this story planned out, and then, and then DC was like, we want to do it as, like, three individual volumes. And at first I was like, I, how do I do that? And um, it actually really like helped um helped me like make the story so with the first the first batman book i did i kind of had the story in the back of my mind before and it was just a matter of like putting batman and robin in, in it and right done but this story it's like i kind of had bits and pieces but it was it was, it was very like spongy like right. it wasn't um, and having it split into three kind of like helps me. Three acts, three books, give three it, acts. Like, a skeleton and like yeah. there's some like I'm really happy with like like how books one and two end to lead into like, nice. it's like okay that's, nice. that's like those are like things you you wouldn't necessarily get when you read it as a that is true. It does give you the serialization is a is a time time tested format, so it's not yeah. you know, and then you can read the, all together, yeah. so. Interesting, interesting. Well, Jeffrey, thank you so much for taking some time. As is always, it's always a pleasure to catch up with you at Comic-Con. Yeah, thank you. And uh, good luck with all your endeavors. Thanks. And happy Comic-Con. There will be more to come.